We hope this explanation of God's Word enriches your life. To help you understand the audience for this talk, we suggest you read the context material on the About Us page. Please read also our copyright page before recording or reproducing any material from philipjensen.com. Spirituality. Christians and Christianity has such a strong morality to it that many people outside of Christianity confuse Christianity as just being morality that the way to heaven is by being good and the way to be punished by God is being bad and that Christianity is an encouragement to be good in order that you'd go to heaven rather than be bad in order to miss out and that's all there is to it. And why Jesus died on the cross or what the Holy Spirit has to do with us or most of the gospel has been left out of that message and outside Christianity that confusion is very great. Inside Christianity there is a a pendulum swing as we move from from licence across to legalism. Uh, Legalism shows that we really are concerned about doing the right and not doing the wrong. And so we make all kinds of rules and regulations as to what we are to do and what we're not to do. And it comes to sound like the non-Christians think we're teaching. A license on the other end says, no, no, Christianity is about forgiveness. It's about being freed. It's about serving God with your heart. And so rules and regulations are unnecessary for Christian people. And so we don't have any rules and regulations. You do what you think is right. And so we move to license when really the Bible teaches liberty, the freedom to obey God. But how can you have ethics and morality without rules? How can you have ethics and morality without anarchy? How do we hold these together? The Colossians have become Christians and the Apostle is writing to these Christians that he's never met about their Christian life. And he wishes them to live as Christians but he can't add rules and regulations to the gospel. So how can he encourage them to do that which is right and not do that which is wrong without adding rules and regulations? Well, he takes them back to the gospel itself. He takes them back to the great transfer that has happened, of which he's spoken right at the beginning. Uh, it back at chapter 1, verse 13. It's just over on page 1183, page chapter 1, verse 13, where it talks about God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Becoming a Christian is being transferred. Transferred out of one kingdom into another, out of one dominion into another, out of one domain into another, out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son of God. And the key part of that transfer is a redemption, a forgiveness of sins. That is, we were locked into the dominion of darkness by our sinfulness. The web that comes when we sin is massive and it holds us there. Anyone who sins, says Jesus, is a slave to sin. 
And what has happened is Jesus has liberated us out of the slavery and transferred us into his kingdom. And so the way to move from one to the other is by being forgiven. That's what the redemption of Jesus is about. That's why Jesus died on the cross, that we be forgiven. Another way of describing that transfer in very dramatic language we saw last week. It's about having died and risen. So if you look at chapter 2, verse 20, chapter 2, verse 20 on page 1184, if if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, and then in chapter 3, verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ. Christians are people who have died with Christ and risen again with Christ. Such is the nature of this transfer that has happened to us. We've died with Christ and risen, just as Jesus died, literally, died on a cross and rose again, literally, three days, came back to life again. Just as Jesus died for our sins and rose again to be king of kings, so we too have died to sin and risen to righteousness. It's that kind of change. We've died and risen in two ways. Firstly, we died and rose in Jesus. When Jesus died, he died our death. He didn't die for his own death for himself. He died our death for us. And when he rose again, he rose again to give us life. And our new life is caught up in his. But we've died and risen in a second way. We died and rose in our repentance. For when we become Christians, we repent. And repenting is saying no to self and yes to Jesus. Jesus described it in these terms. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. To deny yourself is to say no to self. You know, if I, if I deny myself an ice cream, which is something I rarely ever do, but if I were to deny myself an ice cream, I would say no to an ice cream. If I deny an accusation made against me, if someone says to me, Philip, you really are a very handsome person, I say, no, no, it's not true. Uh, again, something I would never do. But if I, I'm saying no, but he's not saying deny yourself an ice cream or deny accusations. He's saying deny yourself. And so what you're saying is no to self. No to self-government, no to self-rule, no to self-running my own life my own way. Deny myself and take up the cross, accept the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and accept the way for me now to live is in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Accept the persecution and the oppositions that will come to me because I stand in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him. For he goes on to say, anyone who will save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it so becoming a christian repenting is this dying and coming to new life so we do it in two ways jesus has done it for me and i am now called upon to do it as well and all christians have gone through this transfer this movement from death to life as we're transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his own son. 
That is what you are, Colossians. That is what you are, Christians. You are people who are dead and have come to new life. You can think of Jesus saying it, can't you? When he spoke to Nicodemus and he said, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That is what every Christian is, somebody who has gone through this great transfer. Now, on the assumption that you've gone through this great transfer, now, what are you to do? Well, you saw last week that what we're to do is to set our mind and our hearts on the things that are above where Christ is, seated to the right hand of God, and not on the things of this earth. And now, in today's passage, you're told to do two things. You're to put to death and you're to put on. You've died to this earth, so put to death the things of this earth. You've put on, so put on the things of the new earth, the new heaven where you will reign. So in verse 5 of chapter 3, you have died, therefore put to death. You'll notice the word therefore. It follows from it. It's the logical outcome of your conversion. It's not a new set of rules and regulations. It's not a new Ten Commandments that are given to you. But if you're somebody who's died, well then, put to death. That is what you are doing. You have died to the things of this earth... So put to death the earthly things that are in your life. It's just the logical outcome of the change of life that you have gone through. We've died and therefore we must now put these things to death. That is, you're a Christian, well now act like one. There are any number of illustrations that you can grasp to get on with the idea uh, migration is one. You've moved country. You you leave Australia. You settle yourself in in uh, uh, Venezuela. Then you've got to stop speaking English. You need to start speaking Spanish. And you can forget about cricket. You know, I mean, you've got a good chance of being selected for the national Venezuelan team. But getting the other nine players, uh, what your wife will be with you, getting the other nine players to join you in this team is fairly difficult. I mean, forget cricket and forget rugby, frankly. You've now got to start taking up soccer. And, and that's the changes that come about as a result of the fundamental change. Or you retired. I retired playing football. Uh, in any version, form or fashion, around about 30 years ago. I decided I'm too old for this. Every time I, I'd say ran, but it was more like hobbled out onto the football field, I hobbled back more injured than the last time. And I said, it's over, I'm finished. Well, if you've retired from football, why do you keep polishing your football boots? Why do you keep buying new laces every season? Why do you get out the pump and pump up the ball? Why do you go in the exercises to train yourself? Why are you... You've retired. If you've retired, stop. You don't need to go to training sessions anymore. You don't need to tackle umpteen big balloons of, of air to try and show how to... You don't need... Don't do those. You've retired. If you've retired then stop doing it. You've said, no, that's over, I've given up that. Well then, give it up. I mean, it's absurd, isn't it, to go around with your football clobber on, raiding around when you've stopped. You, you, you've now taken up golf. 
more sedentary activity created for considerable more frustration. Well then, go and get your golf sticks, right? Practice your swing, but get rid of the football boots. So, therefore, put to death these things. For these are the things upon which God's wrath is to come. You see them listed there in verse 5. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, or down in verse 8. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. These are the things that are described in verse seven, six rather, as the things for which God's wrath is coming. This is the dominion of darkness stuff. This is the judgment of God stuff. This is the stuff that you've said no to. This is the stuff of your old nature and your old prison. Now you've repented from those and the Lord Jesus Christ has died for those. Well then... Get rid of them. Take them off. Put them to death. Have nothing more to do with them. Don't be deceived, friends. God is angry with sin. There are several lists like this in the scriptures. And in most of them, there's a little phrase saying, do not be deceived. You'll find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. You'd find it in the fruit of the, the works of the flesh in, uh, in uh, Galatians chapter 5. You'll find it in, uh, uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6. Do not be deceived. God is angry with these things. And those who do these things will never enter the kingdom of heaven. These are not things to say, well, look, I'm forgiven now, I can go on doing them. No, you've been forgiven by the anger of God coming upon the Son, his one and only Son, that you be forgiven. Don't you dare go on doing those things. And you turned your back upon them in repentance. So why now would you go on doing these things? Put them to death. It's a very vigorous image, isn't it? It's not play with them, titillate with them, not just enjoy yourself with them, dream of doing them again. It's put to death these things. Went to an AA meeting a little while ago and I was interested in the testimonies that people gave about their old life and how they'd been changed by coming to meetings and how they were making progress as they worked through the 12 steps and the like. But I was sad to notice that most of the testimonies were actually about the old life. And the most animated, interesting part of their story was about their old life. They would tell the story for many, many minutes on all the places they went, all the drinks they had, all the pubs they used to attend. All That was the good part of the story. And then they said, and I went to the meetings, I've been going to the meetings ever since, and and I've been sober for 35 days or for three years or 35 years or whatever it might be. But that bit, that was all just hard work and boring. But let me tell you about the time I was walking down the street and I was so drunk out of my head and that was the really fun time. And you could see that the old life still held the heart. We must not be like that. We must put to death the old life. It has gone. It's the list that is there is not exhaustive. That's just illustrative of the old life. Notice a few things about it. Covetousness is called idolatry. Covetousness is a funny word. We don't use it anywhere except for religion these days. It means materialism. 
That's what it is. That's the modern English word. It's living for the things of this world. And our society is thoroughly materialistic. Materialism comes with his mother's milk. It just is part of the Australian way of life. And yet it is idolatry because it's the worship of things rather than the creator of things. And it's how our society lives, in terrible discontent because things never satisfy us. If I just had this new car, if I just had that new coat, if I just had that new hi-fi system, if I just had this boat, if I just had, if I just had these things, I would be continued to be as miserable as I am at the moment with a little more few things to actually look after and care for and find a store and less money in the bank. It, it, the things never satisfy, but we live and work for them, and it's described here as idolatry. Notice sex is mentioned there, but it's, sexual immorality is mentioned there, but it's not the only thing. Anger, slander, obscenity, foul talk with our mouth, it's all part of the old world, the old nature. Because we were all walking in them. We all lived them in verse 7, you'll see. It's the way of this world. If you don't think it's the way of the world, get this list out tonight and turn the television on and just flip across the channels. You'll see every one of these on the channels. I haven't looked at the program. I don't have to look at the program. I can tell you, if you can't find the whole list there, you're not trying. It's all there on the television tonight because it's what entertains us. We call it entertainment. And if it's not entertainment, it's news. And so you've either got the choice, it's fiction or it's reality, but either way, it's what every night is in every home. This is the way we all walk. It is the normal human living condition. Universal and shows shouldn't surprise us, but also notice, forgivable. For here are the things you see that were yours, but are not now. Here is the old life for which Christ has paid and it is over. And here is what we have repented and turned our back on. It is no longer us. It's the things in which you too once walked, not now, when you were living in them, but not now. So it's the old self that is to be put off, verse 9. Actually, the Greek word there is the old man is to be put off. Which always amused me when you used to conduct the prayer book baptism services of babies. Because in the service, at one point in the service, you pray that the baby, just in the arms there, may crucify the old man. And you see, everyone looks then to the father and thinks, why, why, why are you actually wanting to crucify the old man? But it's the language here of the Bible that the prayer book writers had in mind that you must, having put to death yourself in Christ Jesus. You must now crucify. You must now put to death the old man. Do not lie to one another seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self. And part of the old self in verse 11 are the divisions between us, the tribal mind, the racist heart, which divides the Greek from the Jew, which divides the male from the female, or the slave from the, from the free person. And what we've got to do, rather, is put on, therefore, the new life. And so verses 10 to 12 refers back to that new life, where there aren't divisions like that in Christ Jesus. Whatever your background, you are one in Christ with us. And so the new self is being renewed in the image of the Creator. That's why we're not to be lying to one another. 
For notice the things that we are to put on as God's chosen ones in verses 12 and 13. They're just the things that you want your neighbours to have and the people who live in your household, your family members to have. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. These are the things of a new life as God's chosen ones. There's no law against these things. These are the things that if the people in your household would just practice, you would find living with them much easier, wouldn't you? Uh, There is something about pointing one finger at yourself when you point three fingers at yourself when you point one at other people, isn't it? If these are the things you would do, you would be a much easier person to live with as well, wouldn't you? Because the things of God's chosen ones are things of sociable character. Because we've been called to one body, and therefore, verse 14, we're to put on love above all things. Because love binds us together, and we've been called to this one body. And we let the peace of Christ rule over us, you will see, because we've been called to this one body. And we're to let the word of Christ dwell in us as we teach each other as we teach each other singing in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Notice the activity of singing is to sing to each other. We're not singing to God, we're singing to each other, making melody in our hearts to God. But when I sing to you, stand up, stand up for Jesus, when I sing onward Christian soldiers, when I sing, I'm singing to you. I'm saying, stand up for Jesus. I'm saying, press on, you Christian soldier. They're they're challenges to each other. As we sing to one another, we teach each other. But what are we to teach each other? Well, the very words of Christ. The word of Christ is to dwell in our hearts. And whatever you do, verse 17, whatever you do, it's a wonderful verse, verse 17. This is what I call a a tapestry verse or a cross-stitch verse. This is the kind of verse to turn into a tapestry that you can hang over your mantelpiece. It's a motto verse for life. You can detach it from its context and it means exactly the same thing. Whatever you do, in word or deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's a wonderful verse, isn't it, as a motto of life. Whatever you do, what you say, what you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks. You'll notice giving thanks is part of this new lifestyle. In verse 15, be thankful. In verse 16, we're to do this with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 17, giving thanks to God the Father. Characteristic of the Christian way of living is thanksgiving. Just as the characteristic of being outside the kingdom of God is grumbling discontent. So here's the new way of living, friends. You've died, you've risen. This is the way now to live the risen life. Put to death the old things, put on the new things if you've died and if you've risen. Unfortunately, every now and then, people think that they can put a new suit of clothes on a corpse and that that's going to make a difference. If you're still in your sins, putting on Christian characteristics is not going to make any difference at all. It's like putting a new set of clothes on a corpse. They're still dead, aren't they? So you as a non-Christian can set out to try and do these things and not do those things. It won't make you a Christian. 
What makes you a Christian is that you've died with Christ and risen again. That's what makes you the Christian. Without that fundamental change, forget the rest. But with that fundamental change, we'll then put into practice the rest so that you will live no longer in the old dominion of darkness, but in the new one that you've migrated to thanks to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every good gift that you give to us especially for the Lord Jesus Christ and his death that we might be forgiven and his resurrection that we might live in your kingdom. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to put to death the old ways that we've turned our back on and that Jesus died for and to put on the new way of living, the new way that your spirit has moved us to and that Jesus has risen for us to live in so that in everything we do and everything we say, We would do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to you through him. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Andrew. Thank you for listening to the talks on philipjensen.com. Please check our copyright page before recording or reproducing any material on philipjensen.com.